Hi there, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. My name is Sherry, my pup's name is Sunny, and we're training to be an animal-assisted counseling team. You are listening to the Therapy Dog Talk podcast, the show that interviews past, present, and future therapy dog teams about how they're making an impact in their communities. Today we're talking with Marsha about her experiences volunteering as an AKC therapy dog team in Georgia with her golden retriever, Charlie why she has always referred to him as a puppy with a purpose, and the incredible resource that she's put together while documenting their journey. We'll discuss their attachment to the book Madeline Finn and the Therapy Dog, why Charlie is a good fit for this work, and how Marcia helps to protect him from volunteer burnout. Before we hop in, if you're just getting started on your therapy dog journey and feeling a bit lost, I've put together a free guide for you, which you can find on my website at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. Without further ado, meet Marsha and Charlie. Yeah. Hi, Marsha. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I am great. Here's Charlie, maybe. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Here we are. So, Marsha, for those who don't know you and Charlie, would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm Marsha Hayden, and this is Charlie. And we are an AKC therapy dog team. We have been since September of 2020. He was actually ready in 2019, but he had to turn one. And Mm -hmm. then we were ready to test in February. And of course, the pandemic hit. Of course. I guess it was 2020 in February. And so we had to wait until September. And then we were able to go ahead and get him certified. But he was ready. So we always said he was a puppy with a purpose. I love it. Is that Madeline and the therapy dog I see on your picture? We were (laughs) very, very privileged. contacted us just before Charlie got certified when we were still in training and Peachtree Publishing did and asked us if we'd be willing to help them promote the book and we were thrilled that was really cool and I cannot read the story aloud I get teared up every time it was what Charlie was going through and of course the star earned her star her red heart rather and Charlie got his just right after that so it was really cool so we take it to the schools and we actually donated it to the elementary school that Charlie goes and reads with the children we donated it there so that they could also be familiar with it and we've given it away as a lot of gifts it's a wonderful story if you're into therapy work or even if you just want a good story for children, it's great. Yeah, it does such a great job of explaining one of many roles a therapy dog can work in. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So Marsha, how did you first discover the role of therapy dogs? There used to be a, it was called Dogster. Now it's a magazine, but Dogster was online. And there was a group of friends that we just kind of got together. It was almost like a Facebook for dogs. And we would chat online as if we were the dogs. So the dogs were communicating. It sounds really weird, but it was a lot of fun. And anyway, that several of them had already been working in therapy work. And so that's when I first heard about it. And then I was considering retiring and I was a teacher and someone told me so many people retire from and you need to retire too. So I had began to search for what is my two going to be? It didn't take long to realize I love dogs and this was the direction I needed to go. So it was a process, but it was meant to be truly. That's awesome. Is Charlie your first therapy dog? He is. He truly okay. is. Yeah. 
actually, we got Jackson, his half-brother, about two years before Charlie. And that was all I was still teaching. But I was, I teach and, you know, I can train a dog. I, I can teach any dog to be a therapy dog. And we quickly discovered you cannot, that <laughs> it's all about the temperament. Jackson is, he went through all the same classes Charlie went through. But he is just a happy, excitable dog, which would be chaotic in an assisted living center or a hospital or a classroom. And so he cannot do it. We never even got to CGC. So then we began to search for Charlie. And that was a process as well. But he was very prayed for. And we were very, very fortunate to get him. And he has the perfect temperament for it. It's really even amazing for him to go from just the regular assisted living into memory care. The nurses have noticed. And they said, you can see him change. He knows the difference. It's instinctive for him. That's really great. That's cool. So when you were looking for Charlie, you were specifically looking for a therapy dog then. Right. That was the top priority. I was looking for that temperament. And, you know, we were fortunate in that his breeder is a therapist herself. Okay. And so she knew what those characteristics were in a puppy. And then Charlie's mother and sister are therapy dogs. And then several more puppies have become therapy dogs as a result. Okay, so it's all in the family for Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely is. I hadn't thought of it that way. Very cool. Once you brought him home then, how did you know that he would for sure enjoy therapy dog work? Because I know even when you're looking for a specific temperament, it's still a little bit of luck because <laughs> you don't know for sure. Sometimes things change. Well, yeah, I guess there is a certain amount of luck in it. But I mean, we even knew at the airport when we were bringing him home. I mean, Charlie's my seventh golden retriever, and but people okay. were drawn to him. And, you know, he was just so laid back and easygoing. He wasn't even that typical rambunctious puppy. Not that he couldn't have those moments, but as a whole, he was. And of course, his breeder had already started a lot of the, you know, things that you do with therapy dogs to get them used to different aspects of it. So he was already somewhat introduced to a lot of different things. But, you know, I guess you don't know that you know (laughs) until you do it. The very first time, he was five months old and we went to an assisted living center. And it was our first visit. And I had no idea what really what I was doing. He'd been to one behavior class and we walked in and of course he was excited, but then we walked into the hallway and he started meeting the residents and he was so gentle and so calm and he just changed as different from how he was with the manager or the activities director. He would bounce and do all the normal puppy things with them, but when he got with the seniors, he just settled immediately. So we knew, we knew. (laughs) He knows how to read a room, huh? He does. I mean, we've just had so many experiences where he just reacts and he does things that we don't even know. You know, he reacts to them that we don't even know is going on. Yeah, it's pretty neat. That's great. And yeah, I didn't realize that he's your seventh golden retriever. So there's probably just a lot that you could tell just from your experience with having so many golden retrievers already. Well, I could look back and I can tell another one for sure that probably could have done it. But we didn't know. You know, and I was still working. You definitely, when you're volunteering, you have to have the time to give to that. And well, I will say you can't do it when you're working, but it's difficult, I would think. It's a different beast for sure. Well, it's a (laughs) full-time job. I mean, it really is, in fact. And I just recently discovered that you can overwork them. Mm -hmm. I thought that as long as I could handle it, he could handle it. And I started realizing that he wasn't reacting. It was specifically with the children the way he used to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started messaging some of my therapy dog friends and 
and they said, oh, you're going to burn him out if you're not careful. And so we gave him a, a week off. We didn't go anywhere. We just let him be. And the next thing we went to, he was back to normal. So we've actually cut back a little bit on some of his activities so as not to burn him out. I mean, he's only three years old. We don't want to burn him out yet. <laughs> yeah, the dog training world that I'm a part of calls that like a bucket holiday where you just give them a week off to empty their stress buckets and just chill out. <laughs> I haven't belonged to anything like that. It would have been nice to know. And I guess when you're networking and you have people that you can turn to that have more experience than you do, it's nice. So I wish we had something like that around here. We don't. It would be nice. Yeah. You know, animal-assisted therapy and animal-assisted activities, therapy dog work, whether it's volunteer or professional, it's not new, but it's really exploded in awareness and popularity. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of gaps. I'm in Los Angeles, and as far as I know, there's not a good therapy dog training program or group here in LA, which is not a small town. So, you know, it really depends on the area because it is still massively growing for sure. Right. But it was hard to get information when I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I started, you know, searching and researching and it took a lot. To really yeah. find out what is it I need to do when I get this puppy? How do I train it? How well, you know what kinds of things? And so that was difficult. So what I did after that, when we got him, I went ahead and created a website and put on there everything we did with him, so that when people ask, because it's too much to just share, you know, you can't share yeah. on an Instagram text. So that way I can send people there and they can kind of look over the different things that they want to know about and then come back and ask questions because it's just yeah. a wealth of knowledge. But the different books you can read and the places you can go and the things you should expose them to you know I remember the first time he saw a moving wheelchair he was right at five months old then and, and of course he barked at it you know he'd never seen anything like it and bless the sweet lady's heart she stopped it immediately and she let him walk around it and smell it and she petted him and he never barked again you know and he's not a barker so that was another characteristic that lets you know because you can't have a barking dog in a classroom or in assisted living or hospital. Yeah, I think one of the things that we often don't think about is like getting on the animal's level and experiencing things like that from their perspective. Like I know that's in Temple Grandin's story and movie and Mm -hmm. in some of the other training I've seen too, where we look at him, we're like, what is so scary about that? But if you pretend that you're on his height and look at it, it's a whole different experience. It is, truly is. So you became a therapy dog team in September, 2020 then, right? Right. So you've been doing it for almost two years. Almost two years certified. And really, we've been doing it for almost three. We live in a rural area in North Georgia, and the library now requires it. But no one up here requires you to be certified to do this. I knew from the beginning that was a goal I always had was to be a therapy dog team and to be certified. So we just did it. And I knew eventually, as things are growing, that we would need it. But I even checked with some just recently, and they said, we don't require that. So you have to show yeah. certification of their shots and obviously they evaluate you when you walk in if, you, if it's running around crazy they're going to say oh no thanks but mm-hmm. it's been easy in that respect so we were able to start taking him at five and five and a half months to assisted living in fact he got into assisted living before he got into a classroom yeah. didn't seek that out that fell in our lap so that's why I said he was always born a puppy with a purpose mm-hmm. and I had no idea what it was I thought he was <laughs> a reading dog since I was a teacher but God had better plans that's but. great I love that there's so many different opportunities opportunities for therapy dogs so they can really find what environment they're going to thrive in. Right. And what 
environment you're going to thrive in with them because there could be something that they're really suited for where you'd feel uncomfortable. So you want to make sure that both of you are comfortable there. And see, assisted living was never on my radar, never entered my mind. Actually, I had an experience when I was 16 in a nursing home and wasn't pleasant and I avoided them like the plague. So for this to be where he thrives, just amazing. You know, it's just like, wow. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place to be, which is yeah. he enjoys it so much and we do too but he also enjoys the classroom I have some friends that do hospital work I don't know how he would do with that he's not big on moving carts and things like that Mm -hmm. and of course there's so much of that in a hospital but then again we didn't expose him to that as a puppy so so much is what they've been exposed to yeah and there's some things you can do to prepare them for the unexpected too but it really depends on the dog as well for sure. Mm-hmm. What surprised you the most in your training journey to becoming a therapy dog team? I guess it was those aha moments when, you know, just watching him work with the people and, you know, the tender moments probably and how he reads them. One lady, she was in hospice care and she'd been doing great. We had no idea that she wasn't doing well. And we went to visit the one day and she was in her room and the, the assistant was with her and she loved Charlie. And, you know, the assistant said, do you want to see Charlie? Oh, yes. I want to see Charlie and so they kind of lifted her up and Charlie we took him over to the bed and said okay pause up and he put his paws up and then he just eased up as close as he could to her he's never done that before he has not done it since and she passed away the next day I guess he knew he knew and he wanted to be close to her it's just things like that or I had one teacher tell me we were in the classroom and he went over to this one child and the teachers told me later on that was the one child they were the most worried about that he'd actually he actually abused animals in the past, but that child lit up, you know, yeah. like a Christmas tree and they were just amazed. So, you know, that's just two of the things that I can rattle off that just really surprised us. As far as the, you know, the training or any of that, I was so new at everything that it was all, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> One other thing, I suppose, when we went to the assisted living the first time and Charlie was only five months old and the first thing they wanted to know is, well, can he do any tricks? And that surprised me. I'm like, well, he can shake, you know. And so we began working on tricks immediately after. Of course, now he's got his advanced trick dog certification through AKC. And that's, you know, so he can definitely do tricks now. That was a surprise. I had no clue that's what they would want. And they still ask those things if we go somewhere new. Hi, handsome boy. But anyway, yeah, so those would be kind of the surprises, I guess, but nothing shocking. It's definitely a lot of work. And now, like I said, it's so hard. You don't want to tell people no. It's so hard. And with that, not wanting to tell them no led me to burning them out pretty much. So we Mm -hmm. had to break. So now I'm trying to say no or be more cautious or limit. That's probably been the surprising aspect of it. Yeah. What have you found is a good frequency of volunteering for Charlie? Hmm. Still working on that. Right now, we go to two assisted living centers a week. And then we go to when school gets back in, actually it is in, but another couple of weeks, we'll go to the school once a week. So that's three times a week, which is a lot. You know, we started out with one a week yeah, and then two a week and I think three I don't think he'll stress at three when we added in that fourth and fifth day last year that's Mm -hmm. when it was too much but there again age plays into it and I have to realize that he gets tired and after a visit he comes home and naps because it is although it's not stressful like it's upsetting to them it's different stimulus it's a lot of Mm -hmm. stimulus Mm -hmm. and 
a lot of people touching him and talking to him. And then, you know, if I'm asking him to do a trick or do this or do that, Mm -hmm. he's constantly taking in all that information and processing it. And so we have to realize that that's a lot Mm -hmm. for a dog. And we have to remember they are pets. They're not humans. And that's hard because we think he's human, you know. Right. Sometimes they're smelling something weird in the room that we don't even realize is there. And that takes a lot of their energy too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like people don't realize that mental exercise is just as good for them as physical and sometimes a a lot more effective. Absolutely. Yeah. I was asking about the frequency because I know some organizations and some insurances for therapy dogs as well limit how often they're able to work at least per day. So uh-huh. that's what it is. Yeah. Cheyenne says that she learned with her beagle Tiana that three days a week is the comfortable max. Yeah. I think that's really where we are right now. I pushed the limits last year. You know, I could see, I know my dog and I could yeah. see, he would just go in there and lay down. Yeah. And the other people didn't realize they'd keep petting and talking to him and he might react a little bit, but I thought, Mm-mm, this isn't normal. And so, that's why it's so important to know your dog so you can recognize yes. that because you're not going to know what his limit is until you find it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And I'm constantly reading him and watching how he's reacting and if something, you know, startles him or troubles him, you know, I'm trying to be predictive in some respects, but sometimes you can't predict, you know, things happen, but he generally handles it very, very well. What do you enjoy the most about being a therapy dog team? I taught school for 40 years and I left loving it. Thank goodness I got out before COVID hit. I don't know if I would have felt that way then, but I really loved what I did. But this is probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And, you know, my husband goes with us to the assisted living center. So I thought Charlie was going to be my retirement dog and ended up that that's something we do together. So that's really neat. And then I do the school by myself. And I can't really tell you one area or another which I like better or he likes better, but it's just so rewarding. You People say, oh, you're so wonderful doing all this. And, and I feel bad because I feel like I'm the one getting the blessing. You know, I just come away so fulfilled. And it's such a joy to see the interaction between a dog and someone else and someone else enjoying your dog. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like having kids, you know, nothing makes you happier than for people to love your children. And it mm-hmm. carries over as far as the therapy dog as well because when they're enjoying him and I'm seeing them that connection between the eyes is phenomenal or when he reaches up and gives them his paw or you know that sort of thing or they tell you thank you you've made my day and you're like wow <laughs> okay <laughs> awesome. I'll bring my dog as much as I can as much yeah. as he's able well that's the goal right for the handler for the dog and for whomever you're visiting to just really benefit from the experience and enjoy yeah. it and so yeah. wonderful it truly yeah. is Yeah. I know you mentioned that you have a website and I would love for you to share that. But in addition to that, what advice do you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog team? There again, it's making sure that your dog has the right temperament. That is the absolute key. I don't think it matters whether it's male or female or what breed. It's all in that temperament. And so you kind of have to make sure that your dog can handle those situations, they're not going to be like Jackson would be <laughs> going crazy and running around. And there again, puppies are puppies. If you get them as a puppy, or you know, they act different at home. So you yeah. have to kind of take them out into those situations, like, you know, take them to Lowe's, take them to Home Depot, Tractor Supply, and walk them around and see how they interact with other people. That kind of gives you an idea. Do they settle down right away? It's, you know, and you can kind of get that feel for whether or not they could do it. And that to me is your first priority. 
priority. And then for us, our goal was always to get the CGC, which is the Canine Good Citizen Test, for him to pass that because most of your therapy dog organizations require that you pass that in order to be certified. And so that was our goal. And when we met with the instructor who ultimately instructs us and then we instruct the dog, but you know, when we met with her, we showed her that video and like, this is our goal. This is where we want to go with this. And she's like, okay. You know, she adjusted what she did with the classes to make sure that Charlie was getting what he needed. And it worked beautifully for us. I would say, you know, set your goals, know what your main goal is ultimately to be a therapy dog, but what do you have to do to get there? And the CGC was the ultimate goal initially. And then, you know, find an instructor that is in line with you and and go for it. I mean, you can do it yourself. We wanted the instruction because we had not ever done anything like this before. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but just, you know, have those goals in mind as to what you want to accomplish and then go for it. Yeah, that's great. And what's your website that you mentioned that you share with people when they reach out? It's www.pawprints.blog. Okay, I will link that in the show notes when we publish the episode. And they can also, I'm sure, find it on your account, which is at Charlie the Therapy, right? Right, I have it on his link tree. So you could actually go straight to his link tree. That'd be the easiest. Go straight to his link tree, click (laughs) on that, and you'll go straight to the blog. And, you know, look at the menu, use the menu, because depending on where you are in your journey, you may not want to read everything. Because, I mean, I started out with how we found him and what we went through and and all of that. So it's a process, but you can find the articles that benefit you the most. And hopefully it'll at least let you know what we went through. There's pictures and things to look at that, you know, I've got the link to the CGC test that we use, that video, and mm-hmm. also to multiple therapy dog organizations so that you can kind of look over the different ones and see which ones suit your needs. They yeah. vary a little bit. That's so generous of you to compile all of that and share it with everyone. And I'm sure when you're ready for another therapy dog, you'll appreciate that too, because it's hard to remember some of the early stuff sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> and there is that possibility. We actually have found a breeder that we really like and have okay. been- with them and gotten on a waiting list. I'm in no hurry. Charlie takes up all the time I have. But, you know, in a couple of years, when Charlie gets a little bit older, we may look at another puppy. And that's, I think I found the right breeder. It's just a matter of for the right time. And Charlie is three now. Is that right? Charlie is three. All right. So for a golden retriever, that's like when they're just starting to become calm in a lot of cases. <laughs> he was pretty calm. <laughs> and then is Jackson also a golden retriever then? Jackson is also a golden retriever. Jackson is literally Charlie's half brother. They have the same daddy, but a different okay. mom. How old is Jackson? Actually, Jackson will be six on Thursday. Jackson has yet to settle down. (laughs) Are they the only two you have? There are two. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have Norman the cat. (laughs) Norman's a Barfield. Me and Charlie have a good relationship. We actually just had a couple of therapy cats on here recently, even though I was looking at your website or at your page and saw that and I was looking at that earlier just to say about wow, a therapy cat, how does that work? So that was really cool. I liked it. My biggest question was what they do about the murder mitten. (laughs) And what do they do about that? (laughs) She said one of her biggest downfalls as a trainer is that the two cats she has that are therapy cats are just naturals. And so that wasn't so 
something that she had to address. Right. <laughs> it was really interesting to talk about that. But, you know, a lot of cats can be therapy cats. Not all can. Mine would not be. Norman wouldn't do it. If you don't want Norman, then he wants you. So <laughs> right. <laughs> that's well, that's just classic cat behavior. So. Yes. But I thought that was really neat when I was scrolling through your posts and all. And I went, oh, look at there, a cat. <laughs> therapy cat. Well, I've not heard of that. I've heard of therapy rabbits, but not a therapy cat before. So that was cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to share while you're here, Marcia? No, I just thank you so much for the opportunity. I love to talk and share with anyone, you know, the joy of being a therapy team. And I highly recommend it to anyone that wants to do it. And I mean, you could do it and still work, you know, take your, a Saturday and take your dog and go somewhere and do something like that. It is without a doubt the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's just so inspiring. And you meet so many amazing people and children. Really cool. <laughs> it's neat with the children. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It was really nice to meet you and Charlie and kind of Jackson as well. Yeah, he's down there barking. It's okay. It happens. Sunny chimes in sometimes too, but she's hiding behind me. Oh, I saw the tail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having us. And thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Therapy Dog Talk. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for Therapy Dog Talk, send me an email at hello at therapydogtalk.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.